0: Ah, good morning and welcome. It's so good to see you all here and there'll be some folks joining us online as well and you are most welcome. And uh, uh, a special welcome to the Reverend Alex Aldous who's joined us this morning. He's going to bring God's word to us and to preside at communion. So you're most welcome. We're pleased to have you with us. Thank you. I don't think there are any notices, which is good, isn't it? Uh, Just to remind you all that through the summer, from now on until the end of August, it's just one service uh, on a Sunday at uh, 10 o'clock. And the only exception to that, of course, because it's never that simple, is it, Uh, is that on the first Sunday of the month, is that right, Jeanette? Yeah, the first Sunday of the month, there is a said communion at 10 o'clock and the all-age service is the main service that week at 10.45. But if you keep coming at 10 o'clock, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yes, the 7th of August. Well, I don't know what you've come from. I don't know what's going on in your lives at the moment, whether you're full of expectation or you've got some issues rattling around in your head. Let's just uh, be quiet before the Lord now. We want to know his presence here with us. We want to put all those things aside and be aware of the Lord's presence to receive our praise and to speak into our hearts. So we're going to remain seated and sing this song, which effectively says, Lord, my desire is to meet with you, to be in your presence. when we come into his presence of course we recognize that he is holy god and that we are not and therefore it's appropriate before we come to give him our worship and our praise that we come to deal with all the faults and failings of the past week so just reflect on that week and things that you might need <coughs> now to confess clear the slate with god words spoken in haste and perhaps unkindly. Times when we've seen others' needs and ignored them to fulfill our own. Times when our desires, what we've set our heart upon are less than happy. And so we join together in these words. God, our Father, we come to you in sorrow for our sins, for turning away from you and ignoring your will for our lives. Father, forgive us for behaving just as we wish, without thinking of you. Father, forgive us for failing you by what we do and think and say father forgive us for letting ourselves be drawn away from you by temptations in the world about us father forgive us for living as if we were ashamed to belong to your son father forgive us father save us and help us Amen. And we have the confidence of God's word that says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us from every kind of wrong. And so with all those things dealt with, we come to worship God and we have one, uh, one of those great traditional hymns of worship to lead us on this morning. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. And those lovely words, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me his praise should sing. Let's stand and worship God in this lovely seated. You're in fine voice this morning. Now it's always good to hear how God has been at work among us and blessing us and Claire is going to come up now and share her experiences over these past few weeks and months. You all know Claire and there's the big smile that we all know. Thank you. Claire.
1: Well good morning everybody. Um, my name's Claire, and um, for those of you who don't know me, but for those of you who do, you'll know that speaking up here is way out of my comfort zone. Um, I felt for a while that I needed to share what God's been doing in my life over the last few months, but I've been really quite nervous and hesitant. I was talking to John Langridge recently. And he actually suggested that I came up here and shared what God's been doing. So it definitely felt that God was saying, come on, speak out. Looking back over the last few months, I'd suffered with a very, very slight cough. After much nagging from my husband, I did go to the doctor, who sent me for urgent tests. Within a week, I'd had lots of tests done but nothing really showed up, so we carried on with Christmas and put it all down. At the end of February, however, my doctor rang and said, Claire, I've had another look at your X-ray. I'm not quite happy with it. My X-ray showed that I'd got an enlarged heart but I wasn't the slightest bit worried about this because it's a family trait. The doctor said, well, I think we really ought to make sure, but I wasn't convinced, but I thought I ought to keep my doctor happy and so went along for a scan, very reluctantly, I have to say. And um, on, I was very nonchalant about it and didn't even tell anybody. On the morning of the scan, which was March the 20th, I'd hardly given it a thought. And actually that morning, David, my husband and I, we tried to book a holiday online. I tried with my debit card, and for some reason, the company would not accept my card. This has never happened before. I got a bit cross. So we tried booking the holiday in my husband's name, with his card, and the same thing happened. I was getting ready to go by for my scan by then, and I was really quite cross and said, oh, don't worry, I'll get that done when I get back. I now know that we were never going on that holiday, because it wasn't in God's plan. Off I went for my scan. I don't know much about this kind of scan, but it seemed to take a very long time. And then the radiographer said, I'm very sorry, but there's something serious going on with your heart. You will need to see a cardiologist. That's okay, I said. And then she said, today. I phoned my husband, texted a friend from home group, and someone from pastoral care and quickly two more Christian friends and went off to the Royal Shrewsbury Hospital shocked but unbelievably calm I was eventually told in Shrewsbury that I had a large tumour in my heart it was probably benign and I needed open heart surgery immediately otherwise it would certainly kill me The slight cough had probably been a symptom. Off to Stoke Hospital I went, still incredibly calm. I was put in a room by myself. That's something that normally freaks me out, to be honest. It was a very small room. But again, I was perfectly okay. It was as if I was in a bubble of calm, which I find it really hard to explain. I knew that I would, lots of people were praying for me. What I didn't know, that it was in fact three churches. Not once did I feel any fear in Stoke. I was fully accepting of God's plan for me and my life, and if it was my time to go to be with him... I was quite accepting of that too. My son was allowed to see me the night before because it was such a big operation. I expected it to be an emotional visit, but it wasn't. It was a normal visit, a calm visit. We had a few jokes. It was fine. This is the peace that only our Lord can bring. I have to say... The power of prayer is incredible. I was in Stoke for over a week, three days in intensive care. I had very major heart surgery. Well, obviously, that was a success. I'm here. And I thank God that he's given me more time. I don't intend to waste this time now. This experience has left me a changed person, whereas I was a planned six-months-ahead person. I now live more one day at a time, or, as the Lord said to me every day in hospital, give us this day, the line from the Lord's Prayer. I just want to thank you all for praying for me and thank you for listening to me this morning.
0: Thank you. That's very powerful and we're going to pray. Should I pray for her now? I'll pray for her. Father God, what a faithful, gracious God you are. Mm. And we thank you for the evidence of that that Claire has brought to us this morning. We thank you that you have seen her in great peace through this difficult time. Thank you that you've given her courage to share that with us this morning. We pray your ongoing blessing on Claire as she uses each day as it comes in your presence. And we pray, Father, for ourselves. That our hearts will be uplifted and our faith strengthened as we have heard today what you do in your precious children we thank you for your faithfulness and love bless claire and bless us all in jesus name amen thank you well that's that's wonderful thank you so much and uh A very good way to follow on from that would be to sing a song which declares that Christ is all that we need. So we're going to sing together, in Christ alone, my heart is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. Let's stand together. and read god's word to us and so you can start finding it in the bible it's 1 peter chapter 2.
2: this is chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10. therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, But chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you, Richard. Now Alex is going to come forward. Is it all right if I call you Alex? Yes. (laughs) I should point out, Alex, that the clock is wrong. It says seven o'clock. The hands are still moving, but they're completely (laughs) disorientated. (laughs) Let me just pray for you. Thank you. Father, thank you for bringing Alex to us this morning. Thank you for his preparation and all that you've been saying to him in this past week. And we pray now that you would bless him and empower him as he brings your word to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: Amen. I hope it's only the clock hands that will be disorientated and uh, we'll be focused on what we're meant to be focused Thank you so much for your welcome, John, and thank you, Claire, for that wonderful testimony. That was so encouraging. It's lovely to be with you again. Now, I've only preached here once before, and most of you had heard that I was going to be preaching and fled. In fact, it was actually, it was part of, I think it was an away weekend with the church, so I spoke to those who are remaining. Uh, and it's lovely to join you in this series in 1 Peter. It's such a powerful letter, and one that from start to finish radiates an out-and-out longing for Christians to live vibrant Christian lives for their master. And I wonder what we think of as a vibrant church post-pandemic. Now we might use words like love in action towards one another and the surrounding community. Or maybe a church that is empowered for justice in seeking to address the wrongs in our society. It may be it's caring and nurturing those who've suffered from alienation and loneliness over the last two years and seeing how that can be redeemed. A vibrant church may be one too where there's the praise and worship uh, leave their mark on all who come through the doors on Sunday. And where faithful preaching of God's word takes place, and where the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are actively exercised. All these things, I believe, should be part of what should be normal life in the renewed church. But as I come to 1 Peter afresh, there's something which permeates its pages, which arrested my attention, and I'm sure it does you too. The idea of being a holy priesthood. And tragically, we've had to deconstruct that concept because for many within the church family, let alone the world outside, the actual words holy and priesthood either don't go together because of the exposure of so much that seems the antipathy of holy taking place, which, you know, with cases of abuse within the recognised priesthood, or the words holy priesthood seem remote and they don't connect with the ordinary believer. For Peter, however, from the very opening of his letter, he speaks of holiness. And this sets the tone for the epistle and for what he wants to share with God's elect throughout Asia. The vibrant church for him is therefore one who, who is sure of its salvation through faith in Christ and his atoning sacrifice, takes hold of this truth that as chosen ones in Christ, so we are then made holy, sanctified through the Holy Spirit. And for what reason? As it says, to be obedient to Jesus Christ, in living out that holiness personally and as the body of Christ. I'm sure this thread of holiness has been picked up already in previous sermons. But let's go back a moment. The agenda for the spirit-filled believer is to be holy as God himself is holy. Verse 15 of chapter 1 we see, But just as you who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. God himself declares that his very being is holy in Leviticus 11:44. So what is it to be holy? Well, J.C. Ryle, that great Victorian bishop of Liverpool who wrote his powerful work on holiness, said, "Holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God, according as we find his mind described in scripture. It is the habit of agreeing in God's judgment, hating what he hates, loving what he loves and measuring everything in this world by the standard of his word. Amen to that. And of course, we, we naturally fail in this, of course. That's why we come to confession each week. And that's why we need fresh cleansing, but also a fresh resolve to follow him and strive to be more like our Lord. However weak we may feel, And as I read this epistle, what's exciting in terms of our subject matter is that the idea of being part of a holy priesthood is the climax, I believe, of what Peter is exploring in his letter. And if that's the case, then we should want to be part of it and know what it is and how to live it out. And I believe the journey begins in the very first verse of the letter, in which he describes God's elect As strangers in the world and scattered. And there's sadly, of course, a very contemporary feel to this with the war in Ukraine raging, as many people today are being forced to flee their homes, refugees in foreign lands. But the reason for the diaspora here in 1 Peter was probably, of course, through persecution for their faith. But there's another sense in which they're strangers. As we are likewise called to be strangers and at variance with the world's norms. The Christian called to be holy is one whose life should stand out as being distinctive, as salt and light, even strange to the world around. And as we come closer to the heart of Jesus, so we should feel as if the world and its allure is no longer. ultimate focus. And this will be particularly more true the more secularized our society is becoming. That label of being strange. All too often Christians are rather like the story of a metropolitan police exam question which was put to trainee officers. This was the case study. You're on patrol. There's an explosion with lots of people screaming you discover a large hole with an overturned van nearby. There's a strong smell of alcohol inside the van, and you know that there's an unlicensed driver with a passenger who's the wife of your inspector. A motorist stops to help you, but you recognize him as someone who's wanted for armed robbery. At the same time, someone runs out of a nearby building and says that the explosion has caused his expectant wife to have his baby there and then. So what would you do? one officer was reported to have written remove your uniform and mingle with the crowds. (laughs) In that sort of situation I can't blame him, can you? (laughs) For all the ridiculousness of the many problems all coming together. Of course it's just humorous in being bizarre. But the Christian is still required to keep his and her uniform on and armour, and be known for doing so, to wear the badge of Christ One, proudly, and sometimes courageously. See, mingling with the crowds, diluting the message, compromising our theology and ethics, conforming to the pattern of this world, has no place in the Church of God, amongst leaders and congregation. For this stands at variance with what J.C. Ryle says about the character of holiness, being of one mind with God as revealed in his word. We are, yes, to be strangers to the world and strangers to sin. And this, of course, is the process, and it is a process, of becoming holy. And you think... That everyone's got it sewn up. Even in the early church, there was great expectancy, wasn't there, in 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 the early church of Acts? And what happened there? That all the people were in favour with the uh, with with Christians were in favour with the people, but then along came Ananias and Sapphira and took advantage, didn't they? And they realised what the holiness of God was all about. They took advantage by selling their property and claiming that it was, was sold for one price and they kept back some for themselves. A holy awe came upon the church then. So moving through the epistle, after Peter talks in chapter one of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, there follows a kind of discourse on the mystery and wonder of new birth in Christ verses 1 to 12 of chapter 1, with its everlasting inheritance. And then Peter goes on to say how Jesus' sacrifice is the means and fulfilment of our salvation. And it's because of this gift of salvation that we're then required to walk in Christ in being holy and putting on Christ daily. Paul talks about this in Colossians 3, doesn't he? He says, putting on Christ and with all the things that go with that. This then is followed up by our beginning of chapter two. We've arrived, we've started. And there's another therefore. It's a bit Pauline, isn't it? He likes to use the word therefore. If we're being commanded to be holy, and our faith and hope are in God, and we've been purified, chapter one, verse 22, then we should walk in this and actively shed all that is of the old nature, and what do we see? Of the old nature, nature of ridding of ourselves of all malice, deceit, and slander. Just to name those three, and these all things, of course, which break break down relationships in the body of Christ, don't they? They set up divisions and create disharmony, and sadly, we can see that all too often in our churches where there's jealousy for recognition. And position where false hierarchies are set up within groups instead of grasping the concept of being servant. And I think that is the beginning of holiness, where we see, as Jesus did, washing the disciples' feet and recognizing that each is made in the image of God and to be loved. And in verse 4 of chapter 2, we then see that our eyes are upon Christ, who is the living stone. We're called to be, we are called then to become living stones too. He is the light, we become light. He is the son of God, we become sons and daughters of God. He is the greatest living stone, we become living stones because of him. And the result is then as Peter works through this chapter, is to become a holy priesthood. So holiness is not just about individual purity and growth in Christ, but it concerns how we relate one with the other. As while, again, says in his book, holiness, to become a nun or monk or to join a house of mercy is not the high road to sanctification. True holiness doesn't make a Christian evade difficulties, but face and overcome them. Christ would have his people show that His grace is not a mere hothouse plant which can thrive under shelter, can only thrive under shelter, but a strong, hardy thing which can flourish in every relation of life. It's our doing of duty in that state to which God has called us, like salt in the midst of corruption. And light in the midst of darkness, which is a primary element in sanctification. And we need, dear friends, to be aware that we're in the midst of a spiritual battle with the works of darkness. And the closer we come to Christ, the more the battle rages. So Paul, St. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 6, where he describes, of course, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And for us to continue in the walk in holiness, we need the spiritual armor, the belt of truth. We start with truth, then the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, sword of the spirit, and so on. For if we don't, we allow forces to come in and take over. And particularly when we're involved in doing the Lord's work, uh, and being upfront for him, that's the time to put on each piece of spiritual equipment, and to be without it is at our peril. What do I mean in practical terms? I'll share a personal example this week, as I was preparing for sermon on Thursday. Out of the blue, a WhatsApp message came on my phone from an unknown number with a picture of a girl called Bonnie, on a beach, sending a message to another girl, Julia, suggesting a cycle ride by the Thames. I wrote back and I said this was obviously not meant, meant for me. Um, a ride by the Thames sounded pleasant, but we're, we're up in Shrewsbury. And I deliberately said we, just to imply that I wasn't single. This girl replied, sorry, one digit wrong. And I briefly replied again, no problems, hope you have a good ride, She then wrote back, I hope you don't mind, but my name is Bonnie, and you? And it was at that point I felt I was under real attack. She'd already implied her name by signing off earlier, and I'd give my name with my correct phone number to alert her, An alarm bell started to go off. The mobile was from abroad. The photo of this attractive young lady was probably a fake, and a web of deceit, was possibly spinning out. I deleted the number and didn't reply. But not after some hours in the midst of focusing on holiness, that the evil one was undeniably at work to undermine me, and that's when I needed greatest protection. And I, I can often say, I speak the real struggle, the flesh and the spirit. There, stupid little thing, and totally irrational. But there was a wedge. You know, someone shows an interest, so it's random, but it has to be cut off. See, holiness isn't an abstract idea. It's real. But it's worked at in the midst of, and as Ryle says, in the face of darkness and corruption. And we need to stand back and be able to name the enemy. The enemy of deceit. Certainly it was for me then the enemy of slander, the enemy of hypocrisy. And how do you do that? Peter goes on to say, doesn't he, by soaking ourselves, as Peter says, in the pure spiritual milk of the word of God. And that informs us, A, of what is evil, and B, that there is a real enemy, like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour, as Peter goes on to say in chapter 5, verse 8. I want briefly to return to the idea of the living stones. See, this is a collaborative idea. A picture of Christ's body, the church, its members living side by side, building together to form his spiritual house. It's a lovely phrase. His spiritual house. The precursor and prerequisite to our becoming a holy priesthood is to value one another each as a living stone. And Peter says that we come to Christ and we see him as the true and living stone, that cornerstone which we sung about just now, the cornerstone of our faith, our being, our reason to exist, rejected of men, but he it is who is chosen by the Father and precious to him. This, Peter says, in the same breath as declaring that we too are living stones. And so each of us, is precious each is chosen each has stamped on him or her saved loved valiant and it is this that we need to carry forward in our walk into holiness and into this picture of becoming a priesthood the priests role in the Old Testament was to be in the house of the Lord and before he offered sacrifices He stood and it was his very presence which was acceptable to God he was the go between the intermediary between the people and God and now because of our great high priest Jesus the true and living stone was rejected on the cross and took our sins in his place so then of course we know the story the veil of the temple which separated God from the people was torn down So each of us, as living stones, has access to the glory of God. Access to everything that God wants for us. And we stand before him. And he accepts us. Just as we are. And we're made holy. As we look to him. But more so, we are then, every one of us who are in Christ, priests not just me, each one of you, not only in having access to God, but standing as the ones who go between God and the people on our streets, the lost, those who are crying out to be accepted and loved and to know that there's more to life than just a meaningless routine which teeters between fleeting pleasure and drudgery. As Peter says, we are those who have been rescued from a life of sin and self. We are a chosen people, by grace, not by nothing that we've done, a royal priesthood. One called by kingly appointment, and a people who have more than a sense of belonging.
1: We know that
3: we are the children of God sons and daughters we're princes and princesses of his kingdom and for what purpose verse 9 goes on to say that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you're the people of god and this is where the idea of personal holiness must fuse with a sense of belonging to a God who has given us so much and belonging with others who reflect his glory and mirror his goodness should be part of it. Two weeks ago I had a party. I'm sorry I didn't invite you. Uh, I planned it uh, several years ago. In fact, I didn't invite more than a couple of people from Shrewsbury. They were old friends from all around the country, uh, but we had a it off because of moving, and then COVID and all the rest. I wanted it to be a real celebration of friendship, and mainly Christians. There were some who had professed faith but have gone away from the Lord, and we really asked for prayer for you know amongst those who we knew uh, of him, and just to pray that the party was was uh, was sanctified actually, uh, and give glory to, the, to God. Um, we were very blessed, of course, two weeks ago. I think it was probably the best day of the year. Well, I'm biased, but it, it was a lovely Saturday. And then we continued in the church hall at Meal with a rather nice hog roast. And we had the privilege of having some musicians. I, sh- I don't know whether you've heard of Jonathan Vera, uh, but he's worth coming to hear. He's going to be at Meal Brace uh, probably next January. But he's become quite a good friend. I've had him to school in different schools uh, as chaplaincies and uh, um, he came to take speech day on, on the morning, so I got Pressfeld to pay for him to, to have come to our party in the evening. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them that. <laughs> anyway, um, but as I'm sure you know, it's quite hard to enjoy your own party and be involved when there's so many people milling around and you're trying to ensure that everyone else is okay and enjoying themselves and, and mingling. But one of my precious moments was witnessing two dear friends, called Mandy and Ruth, who had never met each other before, come towards each other and they looked into one another's faces and one of them said, I think we're going to get on really well. And the other said exactly the same. And they threw their arms around each other even before introducing themselves. That's bizarre in the world's eyes. But both of these women radiate Jesus' presence and exude his love. And there was an instant recognition of something, of being part of that holy priesthood, shared as living stones. For me, it was like a taste of heaven just to witness that moment. Now we're all different and some are more outgoing than others and so on, but do you hear what I'm saying? Being part of the holy priesthood where we're all urging one another on to flee a life of darkness and instead to dwell in the light of Christ. So in fellowship, we are caught up together with this mutual recognition of the spirit working within us. And it then becomes the most natural thing in the world to praise him and stand together as one, testifying to his redeeming power. And it's not as Ryle says that we make an idol of holiness, that has perhaps been the temptation of holiness movements in the past, but that we walk in it, we strive more towards it, and we struggle in the midst of things that prevent it. But corporately, we're called to spur one another on and bear one another's burdens in this regard. That's been part of the church. That's been part of living stones together. That's been part of a holy priesthood. And particularly in the 19th century, holiness was seen as a kind of trophy to attain. And they thought they'd reach sinless perfection. Uh, I don't know if you heard C.H. Spurgeon, that great Baptist minister, once heard such a speaker talk about how he thought he'd reach sinless uh, perfection. And he was staying with Spurgeon from the following morning. Spurgeon, who's got quite a, a, a naughty twinkle about him, he just took hold of a jug of milk and poured it over his head. And he soon realized uh, that he had a long way to go for sinless perfection. Holiness, and I finish here now holiness and being part of a holy priesthood, it's not a system. It's not a rarefied position which puts one class of Christians above another. No, it's an onward dynamic where each living stone in the fellowship looks out for the weaker brother or sister, doesn't look down on them, walks beside them, disciples them and shares honestly with them in order to grow to be more like Jesus. See, it's a 24-7 activity. And interesting enough, that's what today's date is. What a way to place the start. It's 24-7, isn't it? 24th of July. As Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And as we close, perhaps we can take a moment to examine our own hearts. Where are we individually in our walk in holiness? Other things this morning we know that we need cleansing from and perhaps we realise are far from holy? Is it our longing to be holy as God is holy? Do we feel like giving up because we've mucked up again so therefore it's so much up there, holiness, oh I might as well n- not bother. Whom are we walking alongside in that walk of holiness to spur others on be holy. How are we as living stones in Basin Hill urging others on to reflect Christ's glory to our needy neighbourhood? As we come to receive communion, let's again give thanks for him who stood between and suffered for our sakes so that we can be those who, like Christ, can in some measure be wounded victors for him. We, unlike Jesus, Bear the scars of sin. Jesus didn't. Jesus bore the scars of our sin on him. And yet, because of his victory in us, he accepts us as we are and is longing to walk with us in this journey of holiness and as individuals and as a church. May that be our heart's desire and our prayer as a community, as individuals. Amen.
0: Thank you, Alex great deal for us to think about and consider what's God been saying to you this morning just going to take a few uh, just a few moments of quiet and I'm going to ask you to think about what you want to take home and reflect on from what God's been saying this morning otherwise we will lose it it'll slip away but just now decide what it is God's been saying to you this morning what it is that you need to go home and spend some time thinking through. Father God, we thank you for your word and we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in each of our hearts and minds this morning and in the coming week May he bring to mind the things that you have said. May he give us wisdom and discernment and insight as to what you're saying and how we can move forward with those things in our lives day by day. So may your spirit powerfully be at work among us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you now to stand and we're going to declare what we as Christians believe. Make a declaration of our faith, and uh, I will say the bits, and you reply with the stuff that's in bold type.
1: Do you believe and trust
0: in God the Father? Do you believe and trust in His Son Jesus Christ? I believe Do you believe and trust in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit. Holy, Holy Catholic Church, Church union of saints, forgiveness of sins, resurrection of the body, and the life of everlasting. Amen. Now, please be seated, and Susie's going to come and lead our intercessions this morning.
4: today, I would like you to have in your mind our church vision. It's about praying for us, it's praying for those that are outside our walls or outside of our faith, maybe our neighbours, our family, people far away, and praying for the rest of the world. Let's pray. Faithful God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, We praise you for the gift of salvation today. We praise you for what we know in our hearts is so true. We praise you because you have called us not to stay the same as we were before we knew you. You've called us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to listen to your word, to trust it, obey it, and put it into practice, in the context of all our working relationships, all our family relationships, and all our relationships with strangers. We praise you for giving us the Holy Spirit to help us as we grow in holiness and becoming more looking like your son. Thank you for equipping us with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us in split-second decisions, like turning off a mobile phone, like choosing to speak encouragement when maybe we are irritated, choosing to reach out to somebody who we don't know is a complete stranger. Thank you for so many ways that you help us choose life in our relationships, and in our everyday life. Thank you for the gift of Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray for what you have given us. We pray that for those that don't yet know you. We pray for refreshment for those that have known you and are struggling with their faith. We pray for that, for those who we cannot think or imagine that they exist around the globe, but you know each one you have created. So we pray for the desire of your heart among all nations on earth, all that you are wanting to do and accomplish because of what your son Jesus Christ did on the cross, because of what salvation you have yet to bring around the globe we cry out for that salvation to be manifest in increasing measure this day. And Lord, we want to cry out too for national leaders around the globe, as well as at home. Lord, we cry out for the fear of the Lord in their lives. We cry out for humility, integrity, and a servant heart among leaders nationally, among leaders locally, in our own nation and around the globe. And Lord, that all would come to see that you are sovereign over the whole earth, all the time, and you are Lord of all. And Lord, we pray for those to whom Peter wrote the letter, Those who were suffering, those who were scattered around the earth in suffering. And so many of us, Lord, have known suffering in all sorts of various ways in our lives. And we know there's maybe more suffering to come. So we call out to you for faith and trust in the suffering. We call out to you for endurance. We call out to you for your grace and steadfast loving kindness to manifest whatever is going on in our daily lives that brings fresh struggle or maybe renews old struggles. And I thank you, God, we thank you that your presence, your faithfulness is unchanging and always with us. You are great, you are almighty you are our king and savior you are our helper thank you father son and holy spirit you are the one we call out to again and again you always hear us and you bring your answers in your timing thank you you are our god and you help us today to grow in the way that our hearts are calling out to grow afresh more holiness, more healing, more reaching out, more faithful witness, all for your glory and the benefit of others. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we lift these prayers to you. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Amen.
0: Thank you very much, Susie. We're going to uh, move towards communion now. For those of you who haven't been here before, if you're visitors or whatever, um, just to let you know, uh, for the distribution of bread and wine now, um, the stewards will direct you as to when to come forward and uh, you'll be served bread here and wine at the side tables. We take the elements back to our seat and then when all have been served, we will eat and drink together. We're going to, of course, before that we're going to have the peace, and we share the peace together. Um, can I uh, suggest, because COVID's still around and some people are still nervous, that uh, as we come to share the peace, we do it from where we are standing. Um, and we we meet uh, eyes and wave to people and bless them, uh, those around you and those across the room. So, would you please stand? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since you are members of one body, you were called to peace. The peace of the Lord be always with with you. Let us offer one another a sign of peace. Peace.
3: I, you hear yes, them. Um, uh, we're going to use Eucharistic prayer H. So the Lord be with you. And also be with you. Lift up your hearts. And to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord, of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us. That came to meet us in your Son, you embraced us as your children, and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ, you shared our life that we might live in Him and He in us. He opened His arms, and arms on the us and made all the perfect sacrifice. On the night that He was betrayed at supper with His friends, He took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to him, saying, Take eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You this in remembrance of
5: His body is
3: At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me.
5: For our in remembrance of him. His is shed
3: for all. As we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, hosanna in the highest. Do be seated if you'd like to to join in saying the Lord's Prayer. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. So draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
5: So we share in this breath.
6: Fiction, fountains open deep and wide through the flood gates of God's mercy, flow the vast and gracious tide, grace and love.
3: So as living stones together, as a holy priesthood together, let us take to ourselves the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he shed blood. Let us eat and drink together. So we can rejoice together and praise Him for what He has given to us, His emblems of His grace. So let's join in saying, Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of Your Son Jesus Christ. Through Him, we offer You our souls and bodies, His living sacrifice. His Send us out in the power of Your Spirit to live words, for and glory. Amen.
0: And so we come to close our worship with our final hymn. I always try and choose a uh, song which will take us out into the world in a positive a frame of mind and we're going to sing all my days i will sing this song of gladness and this reminds us uh, the chorus is beautiful savior wonderful counselor you're the way the truth the life you're the risen one heaven's champion and you reign over all this is the lord jesus who by his spirit goes with us into the coming week so let's rejoice and leave this place then with these words singing in our hearts and minds. Let's stand and sing. service this morning for Claire uh, and Richard and Susie and Chris Tinkalini Ivories and the Ians on all the tech stuff and the stewards. It makes it work and we appreciate you all guys. Thank you very much. And to Alex for the word that you brought to us this morning. Thank you so much. Let's invite God's blessing on one another for the week that lies ahead as we share the words of the grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. And now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.